Our Cali clutch, they know what's up On the show, that's keeping it real All about the art, no time for shill They heard first, so you know the deal Show some respect to the dope connect They drop the alpha, you won't forget No wasting time, it's all by design Hot takes to make you straight blow your mind Let's go. You guys ready for this? Well, let's do it. Let's bow. Let's do it. I'm big All right. scared. All right. So what I'd like to start with, if you guys don't mind, um, well, I guess let's start with introductions. Uh, did you guys do those already? Uh, no, actually, we did not. All right. Um, NorCal and myself, most people know I'm a, I'm a art collector, original uh, uh, Web2 guy. Um, started this with NorCal two weeks ago. Now, uh, we want to talk about s- spicy topics and not be shy about really getting into them. Like most people do. Um, so yeah, that's me. NorCal, you want to go? I'm just a average collector, just enjoying the space, enjoying the time here. And, um, you know, when NFTs came out, um, this couple years ago, it felt like, uh, cryptocurrency being released all over again. So I had to get in and I've just enjoyed it. Nice. Ex-lawyer. I'm an ex-lawyer. My real life job has nothing to do with this space. And if you know me, it's probably from one of my threads that is probably chock full of uh, spelling and grammatical errors. Perfect. Very nice doc. Uh, I'm an, I'm an artist. Um, I make art that's uh, with the use of AI and algorithms and uh, real life uh, do the doctor thing too. Yeah, you're basically like a genius who went to Harvard and did all that stuff. So <laughs> isn't that true? I cannot really be of uh, too many details. <laughs> I know you won't call yourself a genius, but I'll call you one. Uh, so, yeah, we want to talk about AI today. I guess what I what I like to do is start about talking about the technology. So I want to lean on Doc for this quite heavily. Uh, if he can explain exactly how AI systems work. There, I know we all know the various ones. There's Dolly 2, there's Midjourney, there's um, Wombo Dream on your phone. Uh, if you Can you explain those a little, Doc, and how they work? Please? Yeah, so I, you're, um, you're focusing on one very specific uh, type of web, web-based uh kind of readily accessible, kind of this new trend that people have found online uh, of text image, uh, text to image generation, meaning you put some text into a prompt, uh, you hit enter a couple of seconds later, you get a picture. That, that's one, that's one type of what, what one would consider AI art. Uh, there's other things too, you know, there's like, um, people have been doing, uh, GAN art for years and years and years and training their own networks. And there's a lot of pe- big people in the space that, uh, make art that way too. So I would just step back a second and say that if we're going to talk about AI art, we should be using it as a kind of a bigger picture kind of umbrella term, but the stuff that you're referring to specifically that you mentioned there, like Dolly, Imogen, stuff like that, the, the text, the image stuff. Uh, that's a, that's just a subset of AI art, and so um, yeah. So how does that stuff work? And it's a uh, it, it's a diffusion based uh, model 
that's just a technical term uh, to put it into kind of like layman terms. The images are in a database and they have captions to them. And when you put in the words, uh, the the machine learning network, the neural network figures out exactly what images link up to those words in that database. And then it synthesizes the images from absolutely nothing. And so um, it's really complicated how it, how it's done, but the presentation on your screen is extremely elegant. The pre-trained databases take only a couple seconds to produce images. And now, now we can see things like faces and they look clear. They don't look uh, weird. And a lot of the artifacts are gone that were in previous uh, types of uh, iterations. So the new technology and this new way of uh, text-to-image stuff is really uh, interesting and produces uh, amazing images. But yeah, so there's these databases of images and they're trained uh, to form this neural network. Uh, when, you're, when your search term goes in, uh, it queries it. Uh, the computer, the algorithm puts it together. And it, it synthesizes it literally from Perl and noise or just absolutely nothing. And that's what, that's what the clip diffusion method is. So where do these databases of images come from? Are they like, uh, it's, so it's not just crawling like Google image search or something, right? It's using some kind of licensed image yeah, database, yeah, I assume. Yeah, there's proprietary databases. And then there's, uh, there's some that are, you know, open source that you can get on, uh, you know, you can download them from GitHub or from people's uh, 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 websites. You know, I'd say that some of the earlier databases with VQGAN and some of the early clip diffusion uh, models, people were using databases that had 100 million, 200 million images, 300 million images. I think Dolly is something over like a billion images or something now. And so, you know, it's not something that's practical to train on your own uh, in order to um, uh, set up your own uh, system. Uh, I think they said that the, the cost, the, the compute cost in order to train that over a billion images on this, uh, on this network was something over like $600,000, which actually isn't that much uh, considering uh, everything that's gone into it. But um, there's a there's a large amount of energy expenditure, time, and money that goes into training the databases. They used to be on the order of 100 million, maybe. Now they're over a billion. And so, no, it's not Google Image Search. Uh, there's there's databases that have these images. Okay, and then you you mentioned this is just one subset of AI. Uh, can you explain that a little further and also talk about uh, the difference between AI and generative art a little? I know, I know right now your, some of your work is kind of blending the two and that's pretty innovative, it, it appears. So can you explain those further, please? Okay. So when people hear the term generative art, I think, I think we got to take a step back with that too. And I think that that's a very, very general term and, and that should be used as an umbrella. And the way that I see it, and maybe it's not how other people see it, but when, when you use the word generative art, it means that you put something into an equation in a computer and it gives you something back. And so stuff that I see that's generated by Dolly, I think that's, that's generative. It comes from nothing. It comes out of a computer. It comes from an algorithm. Uh, stuff that you see on art blocks when you look at a ringer, that came from an algorithm. A Fidenza came from an algorithm. So that's generative too. I think it popularized on uh, social media and stuff like that. People equilibrate generative art with art blocks and 
other types of um, uh, algorithm-based art. But I think it's a I think it's a bigger term than that. I think it has to do with anything where you can put something into a formula or a network uh, that's that's already predetermined. Then there's some element of randomness, and then you get some art out of it. And so that's where I see AI art fitting into generative art. I think it's part. I think it's part of generative art. I think that the stuff that you see on art blocks and and other uh, platforms that's generative art too. And um, uh, I think it's you have to understand there's a difference between the two, but they fall under maybe the same category. Maybe other people don't agree though. Thank you very much for all the background. Um, does everybody feel? I think we have a good background ready to go. Hexler and NorCal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I agree um, with Doc's um, description. And, and, you know, I when I think of generative art, I do think of a more um, narrow subset, specifically things like art blocks. Um, and so if we're going to use... I think we have to be very specific in what we're talking about when we talk about AI art, when we're talking about generative art in this um, discussion, because uh, I see them, even though they're based on similar technology, I see them as two very different things. Yeah, me too. I think most people view generative as your typical art blocks thing. And uh, in their head, most people are viewing Dolly 2 and Mid Journey and things like that as AI art. And maybe we're just the uneducated masses, but I think that's kind of what's happening anyway. I think that's an okay way to think about it too. But I think just the kind of the definition of what does it mean to be generative, meaning create something from a computer program. I think just kind of like the overall classification, like if you were looking like a phylogenic tree or something like that. I feel like everything's kind of generative that comes out of a computer, but maybe uh, from a conversational or practical standpoint, it's probably easier to talk about things in terms of like AI art versus generative slash art blocks. So I, I think it's probably like easier to talk about things that way just because that's how it's been set up. Cool. All right. So let's get into the debate then. The debate is, is AI art real art? And I know a lot of people think this is, some people think this is a dumb question. And of course it is. And some people think, the opposite, right? Like somebody's just doing a Google search, right? And and then, you know, if you do a hundred of them, maybe you get a good one and that's what you show off. But there's no real, you know, advanced skill, something that took years to master because we all know how to make Google searches. So I would like to get into the debate now. And um, I'd like to ask you, Ask you all, who do you feel is more the artist in this situation with Dolly 2, for example? Uh, the person feeding the system with words, the person who programmed the system, or the person who took pictures that make up the reference set? How, how would you weigh each of those contributors into the outcome of a piece of work? No one wants to answer. Um, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a really hard question. I, I think that... And I'm, I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head here. So you've given me three choices. The person who types, the person who um, took the pictures that it's trained on, that the AI engine is trained on, and um, the AI slash programmers. Well, at the outset, I kind of want to dispose of the people who took the pictures that it's trained on. 
as Doc just said, um, Dolly is trained on a billion plus images. So if you take that, then that means that any one of those images makes up a very, very, very minuscule piece of the completed output from the AI. Um, and so if we can dispose of them, then, then we're down to two. We're down to the person who types and the AI slash programmers. And I think it's, I think it's a collaboration. Um, if you, Claire Silver, for example, if you take her, she describes herself as a collaborative AI artist. Um, I, I believe that the outputs that you get from AI are things that a person would not create themselves, likely, and things that, at least today, AI would not create by itself. So if I had to assign a score to those, I mean, it's very, very difficult to do. Um, you know, the, I, I just retweeted if you're, if you're here, um, a thread that I did of AI outputs, um, that I did to try and basically create, uh, Dolly versions of portraits of, uh, people that are, um, in the space. And some of those were one or two prompts and I got them. Um, but most of those were 20 or 30 prompts. And so the, there is skill in the person that, um, enters the prompt in deciding that, yes, this is what I'm going for. This is good. This represents what I have in my mind. Um, but I think it's it's almost impossible for me to assign a numerical value or percentage between the two. See, this is where I would push back a little bit because I, I'm an e-commerce guy, so I'm very much in the search engine optimization uh, and have been for, you know, a decade plus now. So I've probably done more Google searches than 99.99% of the world. Like it's just a fact. Uh, luckily now we have tools that allow you to just run your rankings based on keywords and and everything. So you don't have to do that anymore. But back in the day, you did. You had to do just a billion different searches. So say you sold TVs online. Uh, if you were if you were trying to see what your rankings were, you would type in whatever. OLED TVs, Samsung TVs. You just had to type in all the keywords separately. and over time, you just, you learned, or, and you would go into Google Analytics and you would check out where your traffic is from coming from, which uh, keywords. Um, so to me, you say you tried it 30 times, right? I'm going to, I want to push back there because you just, is it skill or is it just trial and error until you get to it? And is trial and error a skill. So, all right, keep in mind that I write a lot, right? Um, I think that there is a skill in describing what you want. Um, if you were to look at the prompts that I used to create the images in that thread, those prompts are very, very specific. They describe a style. They describe um, exactly what the person is wearing um, in some cases and how they're posed and that sort of thing. And so when I'm changing the prompt to do those, I might only be changing one word 
or I might be changing um, the order of words. Um, I think that when you're, at least when you're doing the type of AI art where you are, it is text to image, that there is some skill, certainly debatable about how much, but some skill in understanding how the computer, how the AI is going to parse your prompts. Um, and, you know, I, and I say that it's skill because as I have used things like Dolly more, I have been better at getting what I want and what I see in my head out earlier in the process. It has taken me fewer prompts to get what I want. Um, so I think that there is some skill there. Can I hop in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I found this thing probably, I don't know, maybe like eight months ago. It was a Twitter bot. And what they did was they, they used a disco diffusion notebook. I think it was like the 4.0 version, which is freely accessible. Anybody can use it. Doesn't take much skill to get it up and running. It runs through like a web browser. And it took uh, Taylor Swift lyrics and fed them into disco diffusion. And then it published a picture like every hour, like uh, what it created out of those lyrics. And like, there was no curation. It was a bot. So everything that went in, you got to see on the, you got to see on the Twitter feed for, for this account. And they all looked pretty good. <laughs> like they were all pretty impressive. And, you know, Disco has like a very uh, unique kind of aesthetic. It's different from like uh, some of the other text to image stuff. But, you know, just using a Disco notebook and automated taking Taylor Swift's lyrics and putting it into it. Uh, some of the stuff that came out, you couldn't tell. I couldn't tell like if somebody, you know, curated that after a thousand prompts or what. But you can go back in time with a Twitter bot and you can just kind of see, you know, what it created. It was pretty cool. Yeah, so that that's interesting, right? Because now you're talking like, did the person who put in the words, are they really valuable to the equation, right? Uh, the, the prompt engineer has a lot of, that's a new term that's coming up, where they like to say they curated the words, right? But if you can just grab a group of text out of Taylor Swift's lyrics, and it looks good, and that's a good piece of art. Well, let's I mean, isn't that, that interesting? Well, let's Taylor, Swift's an, Taylor Swift's an artist. So <laughs> true. With AI today, um, with something like Dolly, you can enter a lot of things and get cool looking outputs. But do those outputs carry the intent and the message that um, an artist wants? So, you know, if you were to just throw random words into Dolly, you would not get the outputs that uh that are in the thread that i i retweeted um those outputs i set out with a goal to create images that looked like um the pfps or that represented the person that i was trying to do so i think that you know um yeah you can you can put random words into a an ai and get cool looking outputs but you know are cool looking outputs enough to be really considered quote unquote art. I mean, this whole topic is AI art art. Uh, It's, it's very much dependent on your definition of what is art. Okay. 
Well, what is art then? Would you consider something? Well, all right, let's, let's talk about this. I know this is something we've talked about briefly, Exler. Raw prompts versus mixed media usage. Would you consider a piece that was a raw prompt a less skillful piece of AI art than somebody who used it as a mixed media piece? I think, man, you're, you're <laughs> got a lot of people listening and you're, you're sticking it to me here. Um, <laughs> I told you I'm coming for blood, man. You are, you are. Remind me never to say yes to you again. Um, <laughs> so I think that there, I, I've already stated, I think that there is skill in designing a prompt. Um, when you take the very, 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 what I consider to be the very, very, very best AI works, um, they are often not raw prompts. Um, so I did a little, little curating last night. Uh, if you're in here, check out my list. There is a list in, uh, that I created last night and it is called, um, AI artist. Uh, and everybody knows that I do disclosures, et cetera. So there are 10 artists in there. Um, I own works from some of them and some of them I do not own. Um, in that list are people like, um, what, what's her name? Um, main uh, Mankino art. And I own one of her one of ones and I own a couple of her pieces on Tezos. Um, her work is often um, multiple passes of AI. So it's multiple prompts outputted uh, or outputs. And then she uses uh, Photoshop and other uh, tools to kind of collage them together. And they are cohesive pieces that are generally free from AI artifacts. So those that piece a piece that she creates i think are um they take more than just prompt skill certainly uh those those pieces take uh skills with photoshop and all sorts of other um all sorts of other tools yeah you know, I, I sorry sorry go ahead when when i hear you describe how she kind of puts it together it makes me think that like she's the one that actually synthesizes the image that you see that the painting is synthesized by her. She uses parts and she puts it together and she does it very thoughtfully. And that's the synthesis of the image. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so to, 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 uh, before you got on clutch, I, I told everybody that we have a little group chat and that, uh, that group chat is not a bloodbath. Um, and yesterday in the group chat, I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll tell you where I think it's going to end up. I think it's going to end up with AI as a tool, um, just like any other tool, Photoshop, et cetera. And um, you use it as necessary. And that is what she and many, many other people do. Um, there's another artist that I included in that list. Uh, and her name is Marie Inc. Arts. And I own one of her pieces. Um, it's an addition on ETH and I messaged her yesterday to ask her, to ask her, how did you do this? Um, so what she does is she actually uses ink paintings, um, and creates a physical piece 
and then scans that piece and then uses AI to create the face that is that appears in the image and then uses Photoshop to get rid of the AI, the AI artifacting. Um, and so, you know, can a raw prompt be art? I think so, yes. But I think that probably the highest use of AI is as a tool in conjunction with other tools. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, you look at uh, Claire's work, for example, and she many times just basically gives you the, the recipe of how she created it, right? Like she says, I created this part in prose painter and then I went into this and then I was trying to find something that matched this style and then I blended them together. And that makes sense. But where, where I have a hard time with it as a collector is there's times where I've thought, well, this AI piece looks cool. And then I go to doc and I'm like, doc, what, what do you think of this? And, and doc, you've told me before, like, I think this is just a straight raw prop. That's, you know, I can give you this exact thing and we could probably make something like this in 10 seconds. Right. So that happens too. And not every artist is being forthcoming with how they're exactly creating their AI art. So that creates a problem for collectors on how to value it. I feel like, um, but what do you guys think of that? Do you think there's a, an issue there with being honest about your creation process? And should we, should we have different values based on different techniques? I think that there's almost a splitter. So there's people that describe nothing about how they get to their work in art. And then there's people that go into extreme detail. There's very few people that are kind of like in the middle somewhere. I feel like uh, people are one of the two. And, uh, I think uh, you spend enough time looking at the you know, pictures and the paintings and, and getting familiar with the, with the technology. I think most people can educate themselves relatively quickly. I think there's a learning curve, but I don't think it's something that uh, an average collector wouldn't be able to uh, understand in a very short period of time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I'm obviously on the side of disclose everything that anyone might ever want to know. So, you know, if I were actually to mint some AI work that I created, um, I would tell people this is just an AI output. Um, this is the raw output. Or I would tell people this is, you know, a collage of multiple outputs that I did through Photoshop or whatever I did. Um, I don't think that there's, you know, a downside I mean, maybe there is, maybe, maybe some people will value it as less. Um, but from an honesty perspective, I don't see a downside in, in telling people what you did. Um, and that's why on the thread that is now pinned, I left the Dolly kind of stamp in the bottom right corner. Um, I don't want people to think that I, uh, you know, did something other than create a prompt that output to those okay i got a hot take go for it mention disclosures and kind of disclosing things making sure you know people understand what's going on to the fullest extent that that you can should people that kind of make air and promote air should they disclose if they're investors in these companies that are you know set up to make 
big bucks off of sales of these tokens to uh, to use the web prompts. You know, is this something that should be disclosed, or is that something that you know people should feel free to invest on their own and not have to say anything about uh, as they go along? What, what do you guys think about that? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I feel like you should disclose because. You know, you're, it's kind of like, hmm, kind of like insider trading <laughs> a little bit. You know, I don't know. It's kind of like you're trying to influence the masses to that this is a great tool. But if you don't tell them that you're going to make money off of all them, that seems kind of disingenuous. I don't it's know. A in, it's a little insidery, right? Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. Does so, that happen? I think it happens. Hmm. I, I probably get like every, uh, every two weeks I get, uh, you know, some sort of message about being an early investor in one of the name brand companies that you're all familiar with, or one of the up and coming ones that you're not yet familiar with. And, and then what are they asking you? Are they asking you to go money. in and yeah, they want money. And sometimes, uh, you get early access to software. Uh, you know, I make art I make art with AI. So I'm obviously interested in, the latest and the greatest, but you know, no, nothing has appealed to me so far in terms of that type of proposition. Yeah. That's really tough though, because it's like, of course, if you're in that industry and making it, of course you want to go get people who are going to help you promote it. Right. So it's not too terrible, but there's, I feel like they should be forthcoming a little bit. Like, yeah. like for example, if you're going to start a, an e-commerce site, you'd be much better off coming to me because I'll provide value than coming to uh, me, whoever else that, you know, <laughs> works in a warehouse or something. I right? can't, can't even get the headset to work. I don't know. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that um, if you are an investor in something and you are saying, Hey, look at this cool output that I used from, you know, X, Y, Z, AI, uh, and you do that, you know, that you should say, by the way, I'm an investor in this. If you just post an image and you don't say I used XYZ AI to do this and it's just, you know, you just posted the image. I don't feel like you'd necessarily, by the way, not legal advice, definitely hire your own counsel if you're doing this. But, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel like if you're just posting an image and you're like, Hey, this is cool, but you're not saying I used X to do it, that that's less of a problem than if you, you know, say the name of the company that you invested in, uh, when you, when you post it. But I mean, I, I tend to, I mean, my view on disclosure is I'm going to disclose everything because I'm never, ever going to have anybody ever question my ethics or who I am. Yeah, I agree. I think disclosure is a huge, huge part of it. I mean, especially like web three is all about decentralization, open source. Um, I think it should definitely be part of all, a lot of this because uh, because we're saying that the art's cool and that the, the, the outputs I don't like to use the term output but the, the art that's generated from this these softwares are, are cool and people get this uh, you know sense of empowerment because they can use it themselves at their computer but the truth is it's, it's a big business and it's commercialized and it's a it's a, it's a uh, they're selling it to the masses. And, uh, if people don't realize that, if they think that they're just getting some fun, cool outputs from some words, then they're kind of missing the point because the, 
the point I don't think is really to kind of spread love and art as much as you think. I think that there's also an element of business and uh, selling credits uh, on these websites that, um, you know, oh, yeah. uh, perm- permeate, permeates everything that I see. Definitely. I mean, so I have, uh, I have access to Dolly um, and they're very, they're very smart about the way that they, uh, they give you access. So I, I can't remember how many credits they give you. They give you your first week. It's like 15 credits and a credit is you enter a prompt and hit enter that uses one credit. Um, you're going to burn through 15 credits in like 20 minutes and then you're going to have to buy more. And to be fair, they're, they're very reasonably priced. Uh, I burned through my first credits in 20 minutes and then bought like 800 more credits um, because it's, you know, it's, it's something fun to play with. And I'm not an investor in Dolly. I just enjoy using it. I wish I was. So come call me Dolly and I'll make money off all these uh, AI people. That's <laughs> uh, not who you, you want. The, you want the next thing that, that people haven't heard about. Once you see it on, once you see it on social media and influencers showing their art that they made with something, the name brand software, it's already too late. You need to, you need to get in before, before the influencers start selling you their art. What's, what's the next thing, doc? I, I actually don't know. <laughs> I'm on the, I'm on the lookout. <laughs> okay. Uh, fun, fun topic. All right. I got one more uh, question, well, maybe a couple more, but next one is one uh, people bring up a lot is saying AI is equivalent to photography when cameras first came out, a fair and accurate comparison. So everybody likes to say AI is just a tool, right? Just like the camera is a tool. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Because to me, I think it's not completely fair because I can tell the difference between a really good photographer and what they're putting out and me taking a crappy picture on my, my phone camera. Like there is a clear division or separation in the quality of the work. Like it is so obvious. You can look at half these people in our chat right now, Omar, Brendan, Ayla, like what they do, you can't, man. The average person off the street is not going to go be able to repeat that without really spending time working on their craft. But there are a lot of AI pieces out there that let's be honest, they were just, Somebody just trialed and errored a few and threw them up there. And, and granted, though, the, they tend to not, the bad ones don't tend to go for a lot of money for sure, but they're still out there. So I wrote a thread on this, um, and, which I will retweet in just a second. Um, I, I wrote a thread comparing AI to a camera in that I see them both as tools. Um, and in that thread, basically what I say is, um, it takes, all right. So everybody that you mentioned that is a photographer, yes, they're excellent at framing and understanding how the camera works and setting the proper, proper aperture and the shutter speed and, um, really getting good raw from the camera outputs, but very, very few uh, pieces of fine art photography are actually raw from the camera. Um, the, the pieces that sell for tons and tons of money in general tend to be 
have some post and the level of post processing varies, but they have some post processing. They have some color correction. Um, often they have um, you know some Photoshop in order to remove things that you know are kind of messing up the composition of the image. Remove. Um, I think Ben Zank is a, a great example. Uh, he he sometimes posts his before and after edit shots and the afters are these crazy surreal insane super uncomfortable looking shots that i absolutely love and the befores are really really cool raw from the uh raw from the camera shots but they're they've also got you know the stains on the street and that sort of thing and so you know the camera is a tool that gets a, a great image but that image is then adjusted to make it what the artist intended it to be and um ai as we discussed earlier i think is just a tool that you'll get a raw output and then to make it truly awesome you're probably doing something to it do you agree with that doc mostly yeah i think he's pretty spot on uh Photography, I, I, I equilibrate the synthesis of the image, the photograph that you see is, is they're, they're capturing something, they're capturing light. And the way that they do that, all the different ways that they frame things, uh, lighting, all the things that he, uh, he's went through. I'm not a photography expert whatsoever, but I understand some basics of it. And that's all intention and it's very purposeful. And I think that the equivalent, if you were to say, I'm a text to image AI artist would be, let's, let's see what your prompt is. Let's publish your prompt with, you know, what, what words did you use to come up with this? How can you describe how you came to your, uh, to your image? And, you know, a, a photographer can tell you that I can, I can look at, you know, Guido went through his series and he was showing me like these behind the scene things, how he set the scenes up and, I was crazy and there was no light and I thought it was awesome, but I got to understand more about the photo and, and the image synthesis, the process of synthesizing that image or of capturing that image. Uh, I don't know, maybe text to image AIR if they, if they were to go through that. And then if there was post-processing involved to kind of go through those steps too, but walking through some stuff behind the scenes or understanding how it's created. I think uh, helps people understand art a little bit better. Absolutely. So I, I just retweeted um, the thread that I wrote. And if you look at that thread, tweet 15 has a quote tweet um, of a photographer. And it, it's a really cool um, kind of video of the raw output from the camera and then the post-processing that he did to get the final image that eventually was sold. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of work to make really great art. And I also quote tweeted um, a thread from Batsoup Yum. And he has in that thread uh, some examples of some of the post-processing that photographers do. I would love, love to see someone that is um, works with AI show a raw output and then show uh, kind of a video of the work that they've done um, in order to make the final product. I, I know that there are a couple of AI artists that I see uh, down in the audience. And so just 
putting the bug in your ear, that would be really, really cool to see to kind of show that the best work is not just a raw prompt. Yeah, I would love to see that too. That is, uh, I've, I've, I've read that thread of yours a couple of times, actually, Exler, and it's really good. And I have seen a lot of photographers do that, right? Where they show edits being made and it's, it's mind blowing how they adjust the lighting to make it look like that versus the, the raw picture at times uh, from guys like Mind's Eye and whoever else. But yeah, you don't, I haven't seen that from an AI artist at this point. And that's kind of one of the hurdles in my head, right? Like how, how am I going to value this? It's not like, uh, it's not like looking at a Searlight Procreate versus my own Procreate, right? Like you could clearly just tell mine sucks and his is awesome, right? Like that's, that's very easy to see. You can see quality differences, but in AI, it's harder. It feels harder to see that difference to me. You know, Doc earlier said something along the lines of if you look in enough AI art, you can kind of tell if something is a raw output. And I agree with that. I, I think if you spend enough time looking at AI art, you, you can't always tell. I mean, sometimes you just get really, really solid outputs. Um, but if you look at enough of it, you'll you'll notice the aberrations in the image, and you'll you'll notice the artifacting. And that's kind of a just a a hint that maybe this is a raw output because if somebody was you know doing some some post work. Um, they would correct that. A perfect example of that is within the thread that is now um, pinned at the top, uh, the the one that I did of uh, of portraits. There's one that I did of uh, Vincent Van Gogh, um, and it's a moonbird standing on a tungsten cube, and that's a raw output. And it's like I think it's a pretty solid raw output. But if you look at the bird's foot. You can see some some issues with the way that it's shaped, and if you look at uh, the cube, there are a couple of places where the cube's not just perfect. And if I like, like if I was going to mint that and sell it, um, I would I would open that in Photoshop and I would fix those things. Well, we'll give we'll give you a pass on the moonbird feet because real moonbirds don't have feet, so we probably got confused by that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate. Well, before we uh, get to our hot takes, I got one. I, I'll throw this one to NorCal. This is my, uh, my final question. NorCal, when you're looking at a piece of art, what do you value? Do you intuitively tend to value art more that you feel has a higher barrier to entry, whether that be it takes years worth of honing your craft and your skill, whether it takes traveling to the other side of the planet and sitting in a tent for weeks in shitty weather to get the, the perfect shot versus somebody who just sits at their computer and types in prompts 20 times in a row. I mean, you, you guys like how I framed that one? By the way? <laughs> Getting pretty aggressive here. I mean, I, I have to bring it, man. This is my job. I definitely feel like the process is definitely part of the value. Um, and that's, I guess like you guys were talking about just a few minutes ago, um, I, I'd want to see the process. If I like, especially with the AI, if you feel like, Oh, well, if I just practice a few, uh, you know, like 20 minutes a day, I'm going to be just as good as this person say, 
um, versus say some other art, I feel like they are doing a lot more work for it. So I think the process is huge for valuation because it's hard to know how to value some of this art. It's hard. Yeah. I feel like I end up valuing it more on how the artist markets themselves. And you're doing that anyway, right? Like a little bit, like certain photographer, you know, everybody's work is valued a little bit on how good you are at marketing yourself for sure. But I just have a very hard time understanding how to value AI art. And, and maybe it's, maybe it's because I haven't seen those videos, like you've talked about XLR that show the process, right? Like it feels to me very much like somebody just sat there and Google searched something until they got an output they liked. And then they're like, mint. And I think part of it is, you know, it's this fresh brand new tool and you see a lot more of it. And then you're like, is it really worth that much? Or are these, because everyone's playing with them right now. So you're just wondering like, that's part of the design. That's part of the design. Yeah. So good. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's part of the design, but you're just like, everyone's playing with it. Are people just like, I guess because like when, uh, in like early 2021 and you just had people like jumping on NFTs to like, try and just make money as quick as they could. And then they'd bounced. Um, and I guess you could kind of say like how many are doing that with AI art versus not, I guess it's part of it is like the process, figuring out what is good, what's not good. And I guess many people don't know that difference. It's, I guess it's just going to be a learning curve for everyone. When I think about art value, I think about it in two different aspects. Um, you think about economic value and the truth to economic value is that a lot of economic value is driven by, um, popularity. Um, not to say that, that very popular artists do not deserve their value, but they are getting a lot of benefit from how big their audience is. Um, there are photographers that have, you know, four or 500 followers as opposed to, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands that create from an artistic, at least in my opinion, from an artistic perspective, equally, equally meritous work as larger follower artists, but that do not reap the same economic benefits. Um, so you know, that's one piece. And I think, I think just a lot of that is driven by, um, you know, who you are and how many, how many followers you have and stuff. The other way that I look at art and that I look at its value is, um, it's value to me and it's value to me is based on, does this piece make me think or feel um, does this piece speak to me? So, you know, I, I look at a piece and there, there are some people that I've, I've included in that, um, list that one of them does AI art of aging people. Um, and they look like paintings and it's, I think it's, uh, some of them might actually be raw outputs, but I think they've been edited a little bit. And when I look at those pieces, I, it just makes me step back and think about the interaction of people and, you know, how our lives are short 
and how computers can make us, you know, can give us uh, eternal life in some respects. And, you know, other times I'll look at a piece and I'll go, man, that, that piece really just, it speaks to my soul. So I think that when you talk about value, you have to think about both. Um, if I'm assigning um, emotional value, then emotional and, and intellectual value, then to me, the process to create it is irrelevant. It is the raw emotion that it stirs in me that is relevant. And that just doesn't care about process. There's some very, very interesting thoughts. And I, I do agree with a lot of them, actually. I mean, it's, you know, it's like anything. Does how you get to the final piece really matter? If you love it, for example, and you think it's, you know, beautiful and brilliant. I can, I can definitely understand that argument more than most. But I'm just very skeptical because I, I always like to tie art value still to the barrier to entry. Like it's just in my own intuition that I feel like that's an important thing because it's like, if anybody can create it, if like the whole world can become AI artists tomorrow, how do you value AI art versus it is very, like very few people are ever going to become travel photographers who are just brilliant at their craft or, or, or amazing people at procreate or painting or whatever they do. So the, the barrier to entry there feels so much higher to me that I just intuitively want to value it more. But that's me. Do any other guys have any final closing thoughts before we get to hot takes? Uh, just one thing real quick. I, I just wanted to, my interpretation of what you just said, this barrier to entry idea kind of also relates to scarcity too, because yes. there's only so many people that are going to trek out to Patagonia and sit there in the freezing cold and, you know, these types of experiences in order to capture that one shot that that relates to scarcity too. If we That's know, true. if we know, if we know what cert would, uh, text to image AI engine that someone uses and we know what their prompt is, Anybody can create a similar figure uh, just based on that. And for all we know, and I'm not saying this because I'm suspicious, but for all we know that these companies are just collecting the data that we put into them in order to figure out what we like and what makes the best images and how they can sell more product too. But I'm just going to leave that probably for another episode. Ooh, that's spicy. Holy cow. That just blew my mind a little bit. That's good. That's They're really farming good. us. They're farming us. Well, you guys don't learn your lessons from Web 2, and now we're in Web 3, and you guys are still sending your credit money in and playing these games through you know, through websites. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, my God. We are the product. Yeah, if you don't pay for it, then you are the product, right? There you go. But you're also paying for it in this case, too. <laughs> Getting you from both sides. Well, we said it was yeah. a good deal, remember? Yeah, that's true. All right, should we go to hot takes? This is funny because I feel like we've been spitting them the whole show today. So, Norkel, I know you got one. You want to go first? Well, (laughs) well, I feel it was kind of answered in the beginning, like two and one, like, but my my original hot take before we started this episode was going to be generative art is more AI than AI art. Why do you think that? 
oh, because I, I feel it's all code. Well, it's code based. And, you know, there's, I feel like there's a lot more thought put into it. People really work on their craft to get those outputs that they want for the generative art. Whereas this, what we are calling AI art, the dollies, um, currently seems like just a toy in a way for many that are experimenting with it. Hmm. Doc, what do you think about that take? Uh, there's no AI involved with uh, writing like a straight script. So if you talk to Tyler Hobbs or any other generative artist, I'm just throwing out a name that first came to mind. They'll, they'll give you the they'll give you the uh, the algorithm that they use to produce the thing. The randomness, the reason that you see variation in the out, outcomes or paintings, is based on your Ethereum hash. So uh, the randomness comes from the blockchain itself. But the algorithm is immutable. It's a it's a it's a single algorithm. It doesn't change. So there's no like learning. There's no adaption. There's no there's no synthesis uh, from the from the equation itself. It's made. It's literally made like a, like a, I think Dimitri says hand coded. They're hand coded goods. He does it himself. So there's no real like AI or neural network or anything like that um, in terms of making the stuff that you see what you refer to with generative art. But, um, I agree. It's, there's, there's a lot, a lot of intention with that type of stuff when you make the, uh, when you make equ- uh, equations and that create art and, you know, it's different from AI stuff. That's for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that answer. Explorer doc, either you have any hot takes you want to share? I've got a hot take, but it is completely unrelated to web three. And I'll probably get some people that unfollow me for this hot, take. <laughs> my disclosure. Ooh. I do not invest in either one of these companies, but everybody loves Chipotle, right? There's <laughs> a uh, there's a, a version that does bowls, except they're Mediterranean bowls, and it's called Cava, C-A-V-A. It's better than Chipotle. I'm sorry, it's true. I like that one. I got to find one of these. Are they? Where are you? You're in Texas, right? Yeah, I'm in DFW, Texas. Um, but I, I think that they're, I, I know that they're outside of Texas as well. I think it's actually a franchise uh, system. It's its really, really good. You should definitely try it. I had it last night. All right. Well, all you Chipotle fans out there, go on and follow X Lawyer. And uh, no, just kidding. Uh, Doc, you got any? All right. Uh, no one told me to get a hot take together, but uh, just thinking about some things that we were talking about over the past hour. We should all be thinking about who's benefiting from this stuff. And it's not just artists uh, in terms of this uh, text to image stuff. Uh, we got to think about the companies that are behind it, what their motivations are. Uh, we got to think about who's in charge of allowing different content to be generated with these engines. You know, censorship's a real thing. There's certain terms that you can't put into these things because the companies don't like it. And that, that's very Web2 type stuff. It's not very decentralized. And so um, I think that we need to make sure we don't uh, repeat uh, errors of the past and learn. we need to learn about uh, things that have happened and how we got to where we are today. But we need to be careful about who's watching our data, uh, who's censoring us, and who's benefiting economically and otherwise uh, from, from this uh, kind of new technology that's uh, being mass introduced into the world. What words are they censoring and why do you think they're doing so? There's no graphic content allowed. There's no violent content allowed. There's no sexual content allowed. 
Uh, I heard a rumor that Pepe the Frog, basically, you know, who I am, is not allowed. No way. Uh, yeah, it's 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 true. I mean, uh, there's a there's a billion plus images, and you can get images that are created with very very specific details. But for some reason, if you enter that term, there's nothing that comes up like Pepe the Frog as if you were to put it into like a Google image search or something very simple. And so it's it's clearly censored. And so, um, you know, there's different things that are censored for different reasons, whether it's political or whether there's other motivations. Uh, but, you know, you just got to be got to be aware of these things. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent true. Um, so quick little story. Uh I don't know, a month ago, three weeks ago or something, Beeple posted um, one of his everydays and it was basically giant penguins like eating people. And he did a challenge that he wanted to see the best AI versions of that image. And if you were one of the best, he was going to send you a a signed print. Um, So I, I tried to enter that contest. But in order to do that well you really had to include blood in the image. And I got several, uh, your naughty, uh, messages from Dolly because, uh, they do not want you using, uh, violent content. Um, and, and honestly, I think that that is a, a, a problem with the, some of the text to, um, image AI solutions. Art confronts difficult issues frequently. And when you, you know, these companies are for-profit companies, so I don't blame them for, you know, trying to do the best they can to make as much money as they can. But when you restrict certain types of words uh, and you restrict certain types of images, then you limit the art that can be created by those programs. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's funny. I tried to do that same thing and I tried using Wombo Dream and Dolly Mini. And I could not get anything close. It was just all garbage outputs, basically. But I guess right in a ginormous King Kong-sized penguin eating humans, <laughs> eating their heads off, they don't process that one well. Yeah, so I guess I'm, they can they can control what they can control what you make. Basically, they're they're a gatekeeper. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm wondering now what their long-term plan is. Right, like obviously. They want to make money off the, the prompts, but then what are they going to do with it, right? Like if they're just farming us to learn and edu- re- keep educating the machine further and further, like what is it? Is it going to become like a, an engine that can create scenes automatically in video games and make that whole process easier? Or what? what is it going to become? They already have that. They do, huh? Yeah. Well, little did I know. Uh, my hot take is going to be, is going to be, I think no matter what, we're going to have a billion AI artists join the space because it's just such a low barrier to entry. But I think very, 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 very few are going to ever be successful. That's my hot take. Uh, the very few who will, will be excellent marketers. Um, but there'll be, it's going to be like, you know, tens not hundreds that are going to be successful long-term, even though there's going to be thousands of artists, because I just think there's a lot of collectors out there who have a similar opinion as me. So I think the natural demand for that type of artwork is going to be 
lower than, than other types of artwork. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my take. Pretty, Would you like one take. more hot take? Pretty good take sure. there. Sure. Okay. So this is less of a hot take and more of a, uh, something to think about. Carl Lagerfeld said, what I like about photographs is they capture a moment that's gone forever, impossible to reproduce. I see text to image AI to be um, a camera for emotions in the mind. Uh, emotions and thoughts are fleeting. And when you use those, you can capture them. That's pretty deep. <laughs> it's deep, man. It's really deep. All right. Well, I think that's the show. Unless you guys want to add anything. But if not, uh, I want to say thank you to both of our guests, uh, at XLawyer NFT and at Wet Potato Brain. Uh, they are both excellent follows. So if you are listening, go follow them. Definitely. Just, uh, amazing guys to follow in this space, actually. Uh, thanks, Clutch. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing it. I hope I wasn't too rough. I hope we, but I did hope we like went after it hard, right? Like we didn't. I don't think we like you know tiptoed around it. I think we got after it pretty good. Yeah, we got we got some stuff done. We got some more stuff to do, probably. So I think it's good. Yeah, I'm yeah. never agreeing to do a show with you again, but it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> this was the most challenging one. I promise. Uh, most most other ones are a little easier. But uh, thank you guys both again for doing it. And for right, taking the grilling. Thank you, NorCal, for letting me ride on your coattails and do another podcast with you. <laughs> no, thank you guys. It was awesome. And Clutch, it wouldn't be a show without you. Well, have a nice weekend, everyone. Right. Talk to you all later. Thanks. Bye. NorCal and Clutch, they know what's up on the show that's keeping it real. All about the art, no time for shill. They heard it first, so you know the deal. Show some respect to the dope connect. They drop the alpha, you won't forget. No wasting time, it's all by design. Hot takes to make you straight blow your mind.